Listener Production. Are you a parent of a toddler? Have you ever heard the expression, the terrible twos? Young kids will start to have their terrible twos or toddler tantrums around 18 months and older because that is when they develop the autonomy that comes with growing and it's a completely normal part of development. Today on Feed Play Love, how to tame those terrible toddler tantrums and look after yourself in the process. Feed Play Love with Siobhan Hunt. We've all been there, standing in the middle of the supermarket or a park or a busy intersection while our toddler has a meltdown and strangers stare with a mixture of pity or maybe even disgust. Toddler tantrums are a force to be reckoned with, and they can take their toll on the adults trying to calm the storm as well. Now, a new toolkit has been developed to help parents deal with tantrums. The toolkit has been developed by paediatrician Dr. Daniel Golshevsky, or Dr. Golly as he's known, and paediatric psychologist Amanda Abel. Hello to both of you. Hello, thanks for having us. Thank you. There is nothing quite like a toddler tantrum. Amanda, can you tell us what's going on for a child psychologically when they have a meltdown? Oh, it's such a good question. I guess what happens is they're in those instances where they've been triggered to have the meltdown. From a neurological perspective, I suppose, their brain is firing in a completely different way. And so that makes it really hard for them to do some of those more complex skills like problem solving and planning, uh, which they kind of need to be able to get out of that moment. So in those instances, that's one of the reasons why we often recommend that parents kind of jump in and help to co-regulate their child because often your toddler will be unable to do that themselves because of what's going on for them psychologically. So it's, I guess, that big kind of mix of what's going on for them with their emotions. And sometimes those big feelings can be really scary for toddlers as well because they're not used to it. You know, it is quite new for them. Um, even though they feel like they're having so many tantrums every day, <laughs> it feels like, why are you not used to this? But, you know, in the whole scheme of things, if you think about, you know, how long we've been on the planet as their parents compared to, you know, how long your little toddler's been around, they just don't have that experience. So um, it really is a, a challenge for them to be able to navigate those situations. Daniel, I know that you are a dad, you have three children. So I'm imagining you've probably been in a situation where one of your children or more than one are having a tantrum. Where do you think are the most common places these tantrums tend to happen? Oh, there are very, very common triggers. It's, it's always around mealtimes. Um, the research that we've done uh, has also confirmed what we've already known as practitioners and, and as parents as well. It really um, centres on mealtimes, bedtime, um, transitions as well, like leaving the playground or getting in and out of a car, stopping one activity, moving to the next, uh, even simple things that you're doing every day, like getting dressed 
Um, and more complicated things like childcare drop-off or pick-up, these are the most common places where tantrums occur. And there's one rule, there's one absolute rule. A tantrum will always occur when you need it to not happen <laughs> in, that <laughs> way, in that moment. You know? Yes, I, I wholeheartedly agree with that. But keeping in mind that, you know, you do know from your research that there are certain places, times, situations where our little ones might lose control, is that um, forewarned, is forearmed for parents? Like, uh, does that give us something to work with in terms of how to manage tantrums? Oh, look, I think the most important thing for parents to take from this is that there is, it's normal. It's completely normal. I'd be worried if kids weren't having tantrums. You know, nine out of 10 parents will tell you that they struggle with managing their child's difficult behaviours in public. Um, and, you know, it, it tends to be easier at home. So it, it's happening. It's universal. It doesn't matter your culture, your language, um, how many children you have, if it's your first or your 10th, you're, you're going to be dealing with this. Um, don't see it as a negative. I really, you know, we use these terms like toddler, uh, terrible twos and, and three nagers, and there's so much um, negativity around the language that we use. And, and what we're trying to do with our work is is change that vernacular and, and just switch the way you see it. So it's not viewed as something awful. It's viewed as something that demonstrates your child's developing beautifully. And we just need to help them do that so that we can cope with these tantrums when they occur, minimise their frequency and, and try to get them to learn from it. You just mentioned there that tantrums are a natural part of development. A lot of parents today are very conscious of neurodivergency, of behaviours that might be more extreme uh, than what you would expect in the average development, let's say. And we're always told as parents to keep an eye out on troublesome behaviour because the earlier we get in, the better the outcomes for our children. So how can we tell at this age whether the tantrum is developmentally appropriate or whether it might be a sign of something else? I think that's such a good question. You know, there is a lot of sort of information available for parents, you know, through social media and just generally that really can serve to, to I guess, um, make parents question what is normal, I suppose. I think the important thing to recognise, especially with toddlers, is that the window of what's typical is really, really big. And, you know, even if you just think of the, the developmental milestones, you know, for their motor skills, it's such a big window of, of what we would consider to be a typical development. So, you know, the, the first piece of advice really is for parents to understand that there's a lot of different ways that a child can present in, you know, this developmental stage. And, you know, I guess really thinking about parents are concerned that, a particular behaviour or uh, I would say more like a set of behaviours. I wouldn't be panicking over, over one thing. But if they were concerned that there were sort of a set of behaviours that were alarming to them, definitely, you know, it's an area to go and seek help about. But really, I think the, that fundamentally it's about knowing that 
it's really, really typical for your toddlers to be exercising their independence and that that drive for autonomy. And you really are going to see a lot of, you know, challenging behaviours in those unpredictable moments that we least want them and that that is, that's what we expect. So it's, it's you know, I guess part of just waiting and watching for a lot of parents just to observe their child developing through that stage. But then also if there, you know, really are some serious concerns, there's so much help around. And, you know, as you mentioned, it's, you know, the earlier we intervene, obviously, the the better the outcomes are. I'd love to just take us to that moment when our child is having a tantrum. I remember certain times when my children, both of them, have had tantrums at that age where it's really hard to watch because I could see the fear in their eyes. Physically, they don't want to be held. They're pushing you away or they're (laughs) probably kicking and hitting you. They're crying. They're screaming putting aside any kind of external judgment, when you're in that place with your child, it can be really hard to know what to do, how to help them. What is your advice when you're right in the thick of it? It's a great question because we've all been there. Uh, As parents, we all will be there many, many times. Um, And jokes aside, it does tend to happen when you're in public, when you're feeling very judged and criticised as well. So firstly, knowing that it happens and it happens to all of us really, really just helps to elongate your tether as a parent and give you a little bit of of breathing room. Um, Don't worry about what's happening around you. Just focus in on your child and make sure that they are safe. You know, if we're talking about being near things that can break or where, you know, we could potentially run across roads or anything like that, that's absolutely the number one priority. Once you are clear that everything is safe and with you know this takes half a second it just takes you to look at the big picture and then it's done then i think the next step takes exactly the same amount of time it takes a fraction of a second and that's to check where you are before you address your toddler we talk you know when you're on an airplane we talk about um those announcements where you have to put your oxygen mask on before you apply your child, the same thing happens here. You need to think about what you've brought to this interaction and how that may be helping or hindering what you're about to try to to de-escalate. If you are really stressed, very sensitive to the surroundings, if you're rushed, if you know it's you're really, really um, escalated yourself, you're going to absolutely struggle to de-escalate that child. You're definitely not going to teach them anything that's going to create positive behaviours in the future. It's just not going to happen. So a self-check is extremely important and sometimes it can just be a slow blink or a deep breath and it just centres you for a moment to then give you the strength to manage what your child's going through. And then you shift your attention to your child. Now, I've been speaking for minutes, but what I've said takes literally a beat. Mm. Then you address your child. And when they are in that meltdown mode, don't bother. (laughs) Don't bother trying to educate. Don't bother trying to fix anything. Don't bother trying to remind them, we've already talked about this a hundred times. Don't bother saying why this is not okay or what you should do. Just co-regulate with them help them to be safe, to breathe, 
distract. There are so many different techniques and you can just reach into your toolkit at any time and grab any one that may be right for your child or right for the moment or right for you. But the key is you're not going to achieve any teaching. You're not going to achieve any prevention because you're already in the moment. So just focus on helping them to co-regulate and everything else you can deal with as in uh, see how you can prevent that from happening again during a time of reflection, which is not going to be in that moment. So Amanda, what does it actually look like when we co-regulate with our child? So when we're co-regulating, it's about stepping in to almost do the regulation for the child. Uh, So when they're in that moment of, you know, they've absolutely lost control and, you know, gosh, I have recollections of my daughter (laughs) in this, you know, exact moment when she was a toddler and, you know, they've lost control. There's no reason in terms of they're not able to reason And, you know, as the parent, you're sort of the onlooker. And when your child is in that moment, it really is about regulating for them. And by that, we mean acknowledging how they feel and validating it. They're probably not even listening. But when we jump in and, you know, say to them, I can see that you're feeling so angry or, you know, I can see you're so frustrated Uh, and that's okay, we're really telling them, I know how you feel and it's okay to feel that way, even though on the inside, nine times out of ten, we're kind of thinking, oh, my gosh, I can't believe my child's just lost the plot because I gave them breakfast on the blue bowl instead (laughs) of the pink one. But it is important to them and to then step in and show them what they need to do to get out of that distressing place that they're in. So it might be, I can see you're feeling really angry. It's okay to feel that way. Let's go and do something that might make you feel better. And that might be, you know, moving out of that space because it might be an overwhelming space for the child, or it might be about, um, you know, finding the the squishy toy in your bag that that you know can calm them down a little bit as you walk through the shopping centre. So it's basically giving your child the tools to regulate because they're not able to do it for themselves in that moment. Let's talk about this toolkit that you've developed. What's in it? Well, there are tools. It, it, it's, it's, it's there's exactly, no magic wand. I can't. There's just... no magic wand. Oh, no, okay. and don't don't think that you're going to stop them because we 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 are under no illusions. You can't stop them. What we do, uh, the approach we do have, is to try to limit your um, the amount of time you're spending dealing with tantrums to roughly twenty percent of your interaction with your child, and eighty percent of the time should be spent on prevention should be spent on education and and teaching managing uh, techniques and coping mechanisms so right now it looks like it's the inverse and we're spending so much time putting out fires and so little time preventing them so what the toolkit does is it gives you the tools for managing the practical tools for managing those episodes in the heat of the moment you know we've seen so much information out there that talks about you know, how good it is to be a conscious parent and this and that. It's all lovely. It all looks great on, on Instagram and it sounds beautiful. And um, and there are plenty of celebrities who talk about how they consciously parent. But none of these 
products and courses give you practical advice? What do I do when I'm in the middle of the supermarket and it's all happening at once? That's what the toolkit offers. But before that, and what it starts with is it addresses who you are as a parent. It takes a deep dive with both parents to look at how you were parented, what you liked about it, what you really didn't like about it, what you want to emulate and what you want to avoid. And it looks at what kind of parent you are. There are different types and it's okay to be a different type to your partner. It's not a source of conflict. It can be a source of education. You can learn from your partner's method and they can learn from yours. So there's a lot of science behind it. There's a lot of evidence behind it. And once you have a better understanding about yourself, you then get a much better understanding about your child. And, you know, we talked about what your child's bringing to this moment. You know, you may, for example, ask your child to, I don't know, um, put their toys away and it triggers a massive tantrum leading to a meltdown. Now, you've just ostensibly asked them to put a few toys into a basket. It's not a big deal what you've asked them to do, but what you've seen is a massive episode being triggered by it. And what we need to understand is what the child brought to that moment, the emotional baggage that the child may have brought to the moment where you then just ask them to put away their toys. And it's a concept um, that was first described by Schopler, who was an um, American German psychologist who talked about an iceberg. Now, you may just see the tip of the iceberg, which is the request to put away toys, but the toddler may have gone through so much under the surface. You know, it may have been a poor sleep. It may have been, they may be somewhat under the weather. It could be that they missed, you know, that you ran out of your favorite um, uh, spread on toast this morning and they had to cope with that. And then there was a different daycare teacher and they had to cope with that. And all of these small things that are quite minuscule in our thinking may be really, really big for kids to deal with. And when you accumulate them, it can be very, very easy to understand that you get pushed over the edge. But if we don't think about that, then we're simply going to think that our child is some sort of devilish, you know, <laughs> trying to, to get to us for some reason, but it's it's almost never the case. Almost never the case. <laughs> almost never. That, there's one parent listening they, going. Sometimes I'm convinced they do. <laughs> yeah, I have the devil child. There's someone out there thinking that. Um, if you could each give the parents of toddlers one tip, what would it be? I'll start with Amanda. Oh, hard to give only one tip. <laughs> Look, I think um, as a parent myself as well, the most helpful thing for me and, you know, a lot of the, the clients that I work with and, and I hope that we've conveyed this, I think we have in the toddler toolkit, is really that point about being aware of what you're bringing to the interaction with your child. So, you know, I always say to parents before you even respond to your child's, you know, difficult behaviours, you really need to stop and label your own emotion first. And once you've done that, you can then move past it and respond to your child. And, you know, it sounds simple and um, it can be quite hard. So it's, it's really that awareness that, what we bring to the interaction can change it and, and you know, for the better or the worse. And being aware of that can make such a big difference because I think that, um, so maybe this is 
secretly sneaking a second tip in <laughs> that um <laughs> go on <laughs> being aware of that can make you feel a bit more confident as a parent and that is probably one of my big passion areas that you know for parents to feel confident in parenting is absolutely priceless and you know that in itself if you feel confident then that comes across to your child and you'll see the difference in the way that your child is interacting with you and you know I guess how they are following through with the boundaries that you're setting so you know really for parents whatever you need to do to be able to build up that sense of confidence is probably one of the most helpful tools that you'll be able to come across. Daniel, what would your tip be? Give up on the ideal of being the perfect parent because it doesn't exist. There's no such thing. You won't be able to stop tantrums from ever happening. You will yell. You will shout. You will throw things. <laughs> I have. Amanda has. <laughs> Chef, I'm guessing you have. There's no such thing as someone. It doesn't exist. I think if someone's listening to this, if you've listened to this point, you've, you've already done enough. You, you want to be a better parent for your child. And that's all that I really want. As a clinician, all I want is to know that the parent wants to be better. If what the parent wants is to be perfect, give up on that now. Thank you both so much for joining me for this chat today. Oh, thank you so much for having us. That was paediatrician Dr. Daniel Golshevsky and Amanda Abel, paediatric psychologists, who have developed the Toddler Toolkit. And we'll put a link to the toolkit in the notes of this episode. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Feed, Play, Love, a listener original podcast. If there's something you'd like to learn more about, email me at feedplaylove at sca.com.au. I'd love to hear from you. For more great kids and parenting podcasts, check out the Listener app and don't forget to follow us. I'm Siobhan Hunt. See you next time.